You've joined us in the third and final week of a series we've called Dangerous Prayers. And uh, the good news for you is that the last two weeks uh, you can uh, go back and listen to on our podcast, uh, which uh, you can find on iTunes, Google Play, the, um, or your favourite podcatcher, or you can download our Elevate Church app. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but let me just jump in the Wayback Machine and go for a little bit uh, of a journey, a little bit further back than that, about two months ago. Uh, I preached a message called The Question That Changes Everything. And we normally teach in series here at, at, at Elevate, but that was a one-off message that I uh, intentionally spoke into our church from the point of view of, I felt it was a, a, a word that God wanted to say to us that, that if we get it right, will position us for what He wants to do in 2017, which I very much think God wants to see some breakout in 2017. Some of you who have been faithful but struggling uh, in 2016, be it financially, be it in your business, marriage, with kids, that that 2017, that God wants to set you up for some breakout uh, in your life. And it's gonna very much depend on how you position yourself for God to do what He wants to do. And um, in this uh, message that I told, the question that changes everything, it, it really, the question is, you know, why do you follow Jesus? What, what, what's your motivation? Why are you hanging around? Why, why are you part of a church? What, what's the answer that you'd give? And there's a few answers we can give. Um, and I broke them down into three. And, and essentially the metaphor I used uh, on that day is, is in comparison to my swim squad. So I train with a swim squad um, as part of, I do triathlon, I train with a swim squad um, uh, through the week. And uh, the coach books three lanes. And lane one is the nufty lane where uh, you're allowed to hang on to the side of the pool if you feel like you're gonna drown. Um, Lane two, you can be promoted once you're kind of, you know, getting your game on in lane one. And then, and then the superfish uh, get to swim in lane three. And using that same metaphor, uh, we can progress in our walk with Jesus. We can actually progress in the answer to the question, why do you follow Jesus? And for some people, and it may even be your story this morning, right here, right now, you're not even sure if this Jesus character is who He says He is. You're not even sure if God is real. And, and if that's where you're at right now, that's totally cool. We're glad you're here checking Him out. And, and, and I would say to you, you're probably, if that's you, you're probably in lane one. You can hang on to the edge of the pool if you want to. You're, you're just saying, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give God a go. I'm gonna give Him a little bit of, of, of air time in my life and, and just see what He can do. And maybe, just maybe, if He proves Himself someone that I think I wanna give a little bit more of my attention to, if He you know, does some cool stuff, uh, maybe then I'll shift up into lane two. Because lane one is a great place to start, but it's a terrible place to stop because there's so much more that God wants for us. And so if you uh, get through lane one, shift up into lane two, maybe your prayer, maybe your answer to the question, why do you follow Jesus, will shift to, I'm now actually interested in a personal relationship with God. I don't just wanna kind of know about Him 
if he's real, yes or no, true or false. I wanna, I wanna have a, a more of a, a personal connection, more of a sense of what, what does it mean for me? And this is a great, great move up from lane one. But like lane one, it's a terrible place to stop because God's got lane three available if you wanna move up to there. And in lane three, the focus moves off what God can do for me, you, and we, we, we mature, we, we start asking a better question. I wanna know what God can do through me. And in 20 plus years of church leadership, one of the main sticking points, there's a few <laughs> as to why people, back it up, uh, please, Julie. There's, there's, there's a few sticking points as to why people don't make it to lane three and, and often get stuck on a good day in lane two. And one of those sticking points is, is I've heard people say on countless occasions that they don't feel like they have anything to offer. How could God possibly do something through me? Because I'm just me. I, I know my weaknesses. I, I, I don't have anything to offer. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me how the creator of the heavens and the earth could actually do something through me. Well, here's the thing. I wanna let you know, there's great news for you this morning if you've ever cropped yourself out of, of ever being in lane three because you didn't think you had anything to offer. You do. Every single one of us does. And, and the reason I know this is because every single one of us has been entrusted with what us church professional people call spiritual gifts. That, that, that you, being born on this earth, having made a decision to follow Jesus, you, you, will, uh, you, you need to and you can become aware that you have been entrusted with some specific spiritual gifts. Everyone has some spiritual gifts. Uh, if you don't know what they are, then I would encourage you to make it your own personal mission to find out what your spiritual gifts are because your spiritual gifts will often point you to your true north of, of what you are being placed on this earth for God to do through you. Now, uh, throw that next one up. Here's, here's a list, it's a pretty complete list. These are the three uh, main parts of the Bible. There's a couple of other um, places, but these are the three main places where you'll see spiritual gifts referenced, okay? This is Paul wrote all of these. I'm not gonna read them out. You can take a screenshot if you like. But, but every one of you has at least one of these spiritual gifts. There's 24, depending who you ask. Uh, every one of you has at least one. Every one of you has at least one spiritual gift. And, and, and on that basis alone, you have something to offer that God wants to do through you. I have three. God's entrusted me with three. There's 24. I don't have 24. I don't have 21 of the 24, but I've got three. And those three is very much the, 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 the open secret for me as to what God wants to do through me. And, and so for you, every single one of you, you have at least one of these and probably more than one. And that's a clue as to what God wants to do through you. Now, there's more good news. You ready for more good news? There's more good news. Yeah, 
Nets is like the shopping network. There's more good news because, because not only has God entrusted you with at least one of these spiritual gifts, if you choose to use it and say, God, with this spiritual gift that you've entrusted to me, I wanna see what you're gonna do through me. If you do that, Jesus says that He will come along at various points in your life and say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. I I want you to now be my partner. And in fact, because you've used what I've entrusted you with, I'm gonna give you more of that. I'm gonna give you an increase. I'm gonna multiply your capacity. Who wouldn't wanna hear that? Yeah, that's good stuff. I love that. Man, that's motivation right there. For, 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 for me, at various points in my journey following Jesus, He's gonna say, Mark, I've seen you using those spiritual gifts that I've entrusted to you. And by the way, you're hearing me say the word entrusted, not given, because they're His. And hold that thought for a second. But He says, I've seen you using them. And I'm saying, good job, buddy. Love your work. In fact, because I know I can trust you with that because I've seen you using it for why I entrusted it with you in the first place. Here's a little bit more. Here's some increase. Huh, thanks. Pretty cool. You become more effective. God doing even more through you. Well, that's great. That's motivation for me. Hope it's motivation for you. Hope it's good news. Yeah. But when Jesus told what we call the parable of the talents uh, and, and, and communicated that's what He does, he, he, he didn't end the story there. In fact, the story got somewhat terrifying because for the people that use what God entrusted to them, they get a shout out, they get the arm around them, they get the increase, they get the partnership. But there's another guy Jesus contrasted that didn't use what God had entrusted to him. (laughs) And what Jesus said to him and what Jesus did to him terrifies me. It absolutely terrifies me. The guy that, that had some gifts that Jesus had entrusted to him and chose not to use them Jesus said this, you wanna make sure you're sitting down when you hear what I'm about to tell you, what Jesus said to the one that didn't, use what God gave him. Jesus said, <clears throat> Jesus said, get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Which one of those two Shout outs, would you prefer to get from Jesus? The well done, good and faithful servant or the get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. The thought that Jesus may say that to me purely on the basis that I, that I don't use what He's entrusted to me, terrifies me. It absolutely terrifies me. But you know what? If you're not terrified yet, hearing that possibly Jesus might say to you one day, get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. He didn't finish, that was a comma. He then said, and take what that person had, the play it safe that we're about to get rid of, take that 
from them and give it to the one who did what I asked. End of story. Terrifies me. Absolutely terrifies me. Now, now, <laughs> I'm not sure fear is a great long-term motivation for anything. So don't think that that's my primary motivation for wanting to see what God can do through me. Don't think that that's my primary motivation for using this, the gifts God's entrusted to me. And I wouldn't want that to be your primary motivation. My primary motivation is the, just the fact that I love God and, and I wanna see, be used by Him to see His kingdom grow and to see the people that I know and love be introduced to Jesus. That's my primary motivation. But being terrified is still on my list. It's not number one, but it's on the list. And I'd encourage you to put it on your list too. Am I using what God's entrusted to me? Yes. Whew. No. Uh-oh. Terrifying. If you've ever, in an occasion or for a season of your life, not used what God's entrusted with you, not said yes to doing what He's called you to do, you'll be happy to know you're actually in some pretty elite company. There's several Bible heavyweights that at various points in their life, stiff-armed God, said no to him. One of them is a dude named Jonah. Now, we taught a series on Jonah in 2013. Sounds like a long time ago, huh? And uh, it was a four-week series. And I got to tell you, I still go back to that series. I'm the guy that taught it, but I still go back to that series. And, and I think it was one of the most important series we've ever taught. And, and for you if, you, if you were here and you heard that, go back and have a listen. If you weren't here, <laughs> go and have a listen. But in the first week of the series, and, and early in the, the book of Jonah that's written about him, chronicles uh, uh, his life, or, or at least a, a portion of his life, uh, God, God actually showed up to him, right? There's some things I've, I, I've, I've wondered that I might, and I've said, I might only do if Jesus actually like stood at the end of my bed and, and asked me. Like, otherwise it'd be like, no, that's not true. And I'll come to that. But, but in this case, God stood at the end of Jonah's bed and, uh, and, and, he, and he called Jonah to do something. He, he, he wanted Jonah to go and, 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 and travel and, and go and visit a place called Nineveh where the people there weren't exactly honouring God with their life. And he wanted Jonah to go and, and, and speak on his behalf, on God's behalf and, 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 and correct them in the hope that they'd turn around and turn, turn back to God. And so this is how it, it's chronicled. One day long ago, God's Word came to Jonah. Up on your feet, and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. <laughs> but Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. See, God gave Jonah the opportunity to move into lane three. But not only did he not move into lane three, he actually jumped out of the pool. <laughs> See what you can do through me, mate, I, I, I ain't even... I, you want, you, want me to, you want to use me to help them follow you? Buddy, I'm out. I'm even out of following you myself. Grabbed his towel, 
headed to the change room. And I've characterised Jonah's response into, here I am and I'm not going. He had a connection to God. He heard God's voice and his response was, yeah, yeah, okay, you found me, I'm here, but you know what? I'm not going. Some of you may have actually done this in your past and, and, and you, one of the dangers of saying no to God, one of the dangers of stiff-arming Him when He's asked us to do something is that over the course of time, we grow further and further away from where He wanted it to be. In the series on Jonah, I taught on what I call the pyramid of choice. Let me show it to you. It's a visual uh, concept that God will ask us, call us, instruct us to do something. And, and at that moment in time, that moment in our lives, we have what I call the point of decision. Will I say yes or will I say no? Now, now this pyramid represents the course of time as we, as we flow down. It's pretty obvious to say, but early in the, the piece, if we've said no, then the distance between where we are and where God ultimately wanted us to go, the trajectory, the distance, the gap is negligible. But, but we don't live static lives, we are on a journey. And because we're on a journey over the course of time, heading to Tarshish, when God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, the, the further we go from where he wanted us to go equals the further we are from where He wanted us to end up. It's not simply a matter of, of just shimmying a wee bit to the left. No, it's about a trajectory in our lives that we can miss His will for us, the place He wants us to be, miss it immensely, simply because we said no at the point of decision when all we needed to do would say yes. There's another Bible heavyweight who didn't say yes to God. His name's Moses, pretty famous dude. Around this time in Moses' life, uh, the Israelites who, who were considered God's chosen people were being held in captivity in Egypt. And uh, this is what um, God showed up, again, showed up <laughs> to Moses, showed up. The Israelite cry for help. This is God speaking. The Israelite cry for help has come to me and I've seen my, for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you to go back. Moses, there's a backstory. You can read it for yourself. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses answered God, but why me? What makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, here I am, send someone else. He stayed in the pool, but he shimmied back to lane one where the nufties bob around and don't do anything. Moses didn't think he had what it took to do what God was calling him to do. And some of you can identify with that. And what I want you to understand is that God's calling comes packaged 
with God's power. That whatever God's calling you to do, it's very likely you couldn't do it in your own strength. It's very likely you have too many shortcomings to get it done. If it was just up to you, your power, your smarts, your experience. But you need to know that God's calling comes packaged with God's power. That, that He isn't calling you to do something that you with Him can't do. Now, the reason that Jonah and Moses became Bible heavyweights is they eventually turned their no into a yes. And it's important for you to understand that if you've ever said no, that so long as you're still breathing, there's an opportunity for you to turn your no into a yes. See, the lesson from Jonah and Moses is don't say no, <laughs> comma. And if you did, or you have, or you, or you will, but you're still breathing, then turn it into a yes. And, and, and God can still do things through you. Uh, I heard a, a story several years ago. Um, there was a, a preacher, a true story, preacher, um, it, it, the, <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to tell this story because it's a bit different from my own experience. Uh, one of the churches, maybe you, you, you're familiar, maybe not, but uh, where the end of the service, the pastor um, goes and stands at the exit door and everyone has to file past and, and shake the hand and, and they have to do the obligatory, nice sermon pastor, good sermon pastor, lovely sermon pastor, uh, really touched me pastor, you know, and I don't do that, but you know, the point is some people do. And this, this is one of those churches. So the, so the pastor preached whatever the, the message he, he preached and, um, and he's standing at the door and, and people lined up and uh, it's awkward, but anyway, um, people lined up and, and one guy gets, you know, his turn comes and he, and he looks at this, uh, this pastor in the eye and he says, Pastor, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? And, and, and he shuffles off to his car and, and the pastor's like, this is weird. Next week, end of service, at the door, same guy. Grabs the pastor's hand. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Boom, gone. Next week, at the door, same pastor, same guy, same scenario. Pastor, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? The pastor didn't let go of the grip. He says, okay, listen, you're freaking me out with this. Every week for the last three weeks, you've come to me, eyeballed me and said, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? I need to find out what on earth you're talking about. Can we meet up for coffee during the week? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, cool, yeah, no worries. So made it happen. Met up with this guy for coffee, sitting down. And so he says, look, you know, for these three weeks, you've, 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 and you've said to me, pastor, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? And I have no idea what you're doing. I have no idea what you're talking about. What, what is that? And, and the guy went, just, he, he, he told his story. He said, um, I, was, uh, I had addiction issues. Um, I had issues in my marriage, issues with my kids. 
issues with, with my job, which you can see, you know, anyone of you that knows people with addiction issues, it, it's very rare to have them not affect other areas of your life. He said, and, 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 and I had a real encounter with Jesus. I met Jesus here in, in, in our church. And, and, and his presence and his power was so real that, that he broke that addiction in my life instantly. And he's been working on my marriage. He's been working on my relationship with my kids. He's been working through me in my workplace. And, and, and I've said to him in, 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 that the, uh, the, only, the only appropriate response that I can think that I, that I could possibly say to him is, Jesus, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? Whatever you want me to do, I'm in. And, and because you lead my church and because my church is where I met Jesus, I'm saying to you, pastor, 2 a.m., you need me, you call me. The answer is yes, now what's the question? You need your kids picked up, you need your lawn mowed, you need someone to, 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 to meet someone for some, for some prayer. You need to know, for me, the answer is yes, every time. And then you just need to tell me what's the question. Pretty solid, huh? It's kind of a no-brainer. Jesus changed everything, and my response is to give him everything. Well, duh. <laughs> but not everyone does that. And it's enormously challenging for us. Do we live our lives with that posture? The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Living in lane three. Well, I'm gonna show you someone who's unlike Jonah and unlike Moses, whose first response was a lane three response. You can pop open your Elevate app. I mentioned the Elevate app earlier. If you don't have it, you can download it for yourself and uh, tap the Bible uh, tab there. And it'll take you to the book of Isaiah. Written about this guy. He's sort of well-known, maybe not as much as Moses, but um, this story written about him. And, it, and it'll take you to, to, to uh, an incredible thing that Isaiah said, which very much mirrored this guy, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? This is spoken about Isaiah. He actually prayed a dangerous prayer. Then I, Isaiah, heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. That's a really dangerous prayer. Here I am, send me. Because like the previous two weeks, dangerous prayers that we've taught on, search me, break me, they are prayers that God likes to answer. Here I am, send me. This is verse eight. I'll give you a little spoiler. In verse nine, God tells him what the assignment is. He didn't even know what the assignment was. He said to God, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? Here I am, send me. And I know people, and chances are some of you know people who don't say yes to God until they first know what the assignment is. And even then, if they don't like it, makes it them uncomfortable, it's a little inconvenient, they don't think they have what it takes, they don't even say yes then. Like God, give me some options. 
give me an assignment. Can you make it multiple choice? And I'll take the one that I like the most. He didn't even know what the assignment was. And he said, here I am, God, send me. What does it take to get to lane three like Isaiah? Well, let me back it up to, to verse one in this Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah had actually had a genuine experience with the presence of God. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. He didn't say, I, I went to church, though that's a good thing. He didn't say, I read my Bible, also a good thing. He didn't say I, that, that he said grace before he had his uh, uh, two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled onions, and a sesame bun. <laughs> Shout out to Marie, that uh, g- gentleman who created that um, culinary uh, uh, thing. Um, uh, good Italian heritage. Uh, something happened to him this week. Did he die or did he turn 90? Or both? Anyway, never mind. But I can still remember what it's made of. I don't know. I've never had one, but you know. <laughs> We drove past your work yesterday too, eh? Hi, my memory. Um, she's on holidays. She didn't way back. Um, it wasn't about the Bible reading, the going to church, the saying grace. This Isaiah had the strength to say, here I am, Lord, send me, because he had had a genuine experience of the presence of God. Have you had a genuine experience of the presence of God? Have you ever had a genuine experience of the presence of God? Or or if you have, have you recently had a genuine experience with the presence of God? Because it's that that fuels us. It's that that, 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 that resets us. It's that, that that often recalibrates us, that we have a genuine experience with the presence of God. And if you haven't, I'm not throwing shade on you. It's not like, well, you call yourself a Christian. It's like, it's not that shade. Uh, uh, I gotta got speak slower. People think I curse up here, never. Um, let, me, let me help you if, you if you haven't or haven't recently had a genuine experience with the presence of God and by teaching you one of the most helpful things that I've ever learnt about how to have a genuine experience with the presence of God. This is a whole message on its own. It's probably a whole message series on its own and we might get to that in in future. But for the purpose of this morning, let me just give you a little nugget that I learned many years ago about how we can have a genuine or or better position ourselves to have a genuine experience with the presence of God. And, and And it starts with the question... Or, 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 the, or, the, or the statement, I best feel the presence of God when, and fill in the blank. Because actually, the blank, whatever you insert there, I, I typically experience the presence of God when, fill in the blank. If we went around this room, we would get a range of different answers. And that's why I wouldn't ever sit up here and go the way, the key, the pathway to experiencing the presence of God. It's this, do this, because it's different for different people. It's also why some of you, you love the music. And, and, and when we're singing and worshiping God, man, Jesus is your homeboy for that 15, 20 minutes. Like you're experiencing the presence of God. Others of you, 
it's like, it's like the longest 20 minutes of your week. You're like, you're like, I'd rather have someone scratch the fingernails on a blackboard than, than, than have to go through this again. And it's not that it's not that it's not a diff, it's not a choice between good or bad, better or worse. It's because for some people they experience the presence of God when it when, when music is happening, right? Some of you, it's when incredibly gifted people are preaching. <laughs> I'm not saying who that may or may not be. And, and you're like, man, man, I love, I, and I get in the Bible and it gives me that revelation. I'm like, man, man. For some of you, you best experience the presence of God. The answer isn't in the one hour that we meet up live on a Sunday. It's something else. It's when I'm walking barefoot through the woods. That's for some of you. Or on the beach or, do you know what I mean? That's why I'm saying that, that, that one of the most helpful things that I've ever learned about how to have a genuine experience with the presence of God is find my own answer to I best experience the presence of God when. Now, ironically, given that I'm preaching a message about being sent, about being used, about saying to God, I wanna see what you can do through me. <laughs> ironically, for me, I best experience the presence of God when I'm using the gifts that He's entrusted to me. That's me. I'm not saying that's you. It might be. And by the way, because your gifts are different, it'll look and feel different. But, but one of my gifts is leadership. It's, it's the number one gift in my life, is leadership. When I'm in a situation where I'm leading, I come away from that and I, and I have this glow that I know that God used me and I felt tight with Him in that moment that He was using me to lead. It's kind of weird, you know, because I'm saying that ultimately Isaiah did what God called him to do because he'd had an experience of the presence of God. And I'm saying I'm, I personally have my best experience of the presence of God when I'm actually doing what He called me to do. It's kind of like, do you know what I mean? Anyway, do you know what I mean? You know, these messages should come with subtitles. The next thing we find that Isaiah had a genuine awareness of his sinfulness. Now, <laughs> This is two weeks in a row that I'm gonna talk about sin. I thought that's meant to be about the good news. Well, I'll get to that next. But before good news matters, good news is only good news if it's contrasted with bad news. Otherwise, it's just news, neutral news. And Isaiah, <laughs> he saw God and his response was, woe to me, <laughs> I cried. A different woe. I am ruined, exclamation mark, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips and my eyes in contrast have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And this right here is where too many people crop themselves out of being used by God. That, that you don't need me sitting up here telling you to be aware of your own sinfulness. Some of you are, are vividly aware of your own sinfulness, but you've stopped there. And because you've stopped there and because your mind is, 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 is stuck there, it's, it's preventing you moving forward. It's because some of you, you're not moving forward because you're so um, constantly reminded and, and, and agonising over things in your past. And I wanna say this to you, if that's you, that, that if negative things happen in your past, you know what, they happened. 
You don't, you don't need me to tell you that. And some of you are tormented by that. They happened. They, they did happen. Okay, when, when you know, Jesus' blood doesn't, doesn't cause a lobotomy. We, we, we still have many of the memories of the things and the negative experiences in our past. True. But being stuck, only thinking about them, being tormented by them, thinking that somehow you're not worthy of God using you because of them, that's something that God wants to help you break through. Your negative experiences in your past may remind you, but they don't have to define you. They may have been what you did, but now that you're a new creation following Jesus, they are no longer who you are. And I've had conversations recently with people who, who, who are being transformed day after day, week after week, because they're following Jesus. And some of their friends who knew them before, the before and after version, knew the before version, are saying to them, uh, yeah, but I knew who you were before. And, and, and they're allowing the, the, the voices of their friends who knew their, their, their not so holy version 1.0, they're allowing that to convince themselves that, well, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know. And I'm saying to them, no, 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 no. That's the power of your story. You say to your friends, heck yeah, that was me. Heck yeah, I did that. Heck yeah, that happened. And the good news is that since Jesus has started transforming my life and I committed to following Him, I'm changing. I ain't perfect, never gonna be, not this side of heaven. But that's the power of your story. It's not about denial, but it's about not being ruled by that because here's the thing. After Isaiah had this genuine awareness of his sinfulness, he also had a genuine understanding of God's grace. Then one of the seraphim angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he, because he, remember, as I just said, he, he was a man of unclean lips. He'd been, he's confessing. He'd been saying things that weren't exactly God's best. And, and, and this angel with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongues from the altar, with it, he touched my mouth. And see, Isaiah didn't need healing for something else. He needed healing for the words he was speaking. And guess where God met him? Exactly there. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken, not your memory. Do understand? Your guilt has taken away and your sin is atoned for. Your sin has covered it up. Be aware of your sinfulness, but equally aware of God's grace. Some of you haven't prayed this prayer of availability, this Isaiah prayer. Here I am. God send me because <laughs> you didn't think you had anything to offer. I hope I've helped you see that you've got something that God's entrusted to you that, that you have to offer it for Him. Uh, some of you, like Moses, have, haven't said, here I am, God send me because you didn't feel that you had what it takes to do what He's called you to do. And, and I'm hopefully have been able to remind you or, or, or help you understand this morning that you don't have what it takes, but when God calls you, He packages the calling with His power. 
<laughs> Some of you haven't prayed this prayer, here I am, God, send me, because you're terrified that he'll send you somewhere that you'll never experience a flushing toilet for the rest of your days. Because <laughs> that, that's, that's a little bit of an old mentality that the sent ones, the missionaries, were the sent ones. And, and, and that if God's called you to a developing country, he will give you the strength to endure the lack of a flushing toilet. <laughs> and, and so, because you like the regular access to a flushing toilet, you've never prayed the prayer, here I am, God send me. You've said, here I am, and I'm staying put. <laughs> and the thing is that actually, uh, for most of you, he's not gonna send you to a developing country. For some of you, he might. For some of you, he has. For some of you, he will. But for most of you, he's gonna send you to your next neighbour to invest into them. He's gonna send you to an assignment here in Elevate Church, joining a team, being a missionary in our host team being a missionary in our Elevate Youth team, being a missionary. I'm using the word missionary because actually if you're called, that's the point. We're missionaries, we're on a mission. In our Elevate Kids team, that's gonna be the more likely answer from God to your prayer, dangerous though it is, here I am, God, send me. He's gonna, he's gonna say, good, uh, jump up to lane three with your giving. Don't just consume and enjoy what's being paid for by other people, but get behind the vision and give. He's gonna say that to some of you in the answer to your prayer, here I am, send me. Good, open your wallet. Wait, what? What? Can I take that back? <laughs> for some of you, he's gonna, he's gonna call you to start praying for some people that you've yet to start praying for. Your kids who, who have chosen at this stage of their life to not follow Jesus and you've lost some hope, He's gonna call you to be a missionary to your kids and be praying for them. For your spouse who maybe doesn't follow Jesus, He's gonna say to you leading up to Christmas, which is not only the most wonderful time of the year, allegedly, it's a time where, along with Easter, many of your friends and mine are more likely to say yes to joining you here on Christmas Eve. And you say, here I am, send me. And he goes, good, talk to that guy in the cubicle and invite him along on December 24th. Talk to that person over the fence, invite him along December 24th. You see how this works? Oh God, but God's calling comes packaged with God's power. He's gonna call, he's gonna answer your dangerous prayer, here I am, God send me, by, by highlighting or reminding you of the gifts that he's entrusted you and then he's gonna stick his boot up your butt and say, just start using them and you'll see what I wanna do through you over time. And it might start small, but be faithful. And as you're faithful, you can become fruitful. Here I am, God send me, good. I'm gonna send you there, not there. Although you might be there. 
So those of you, I'm gonna drop this on you right now, who are ready to join Isaiah in lane three, or maybe you're already there, but I'm gonna give you an opportunity to publicly commit to staying in lane three and even being open to become more fruitful and more available in lane three. How about you stand? And, and, and I'm gonna pray for you, but your standing isn't just so I know who I'm praying for, though it is, but your standing is you're declaring to God, here I am, send me. I know some of you might take a couple of days to process things. But some of you are ready to stand now and how about you do just that? Here I am, God, send me. You don't know what the assignment is. Well, that's the point. It comes with a trust that God is good. It comes with a trust that God is faithful. He's not going to throw you under the bus for being willing to serve Him. I love that. And, 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 and I'm about to pray for you that is standing. Yeah. You know, almost nobody wants my job because at this very moment, none of you could have stood and I'm up here looking like a goose. So thanks for standing, y'all. <laughs> it's not about me. I'm just making the point. I love that. And I, and I tell you why I wanted you to have the opportunity to stand when I was preparing this message is because God wants to do bigger and better things through you. God wants to do better and bigger things through us. Elevate church, the church that could. We wanna move from the church that could to the church that did and does and will do. There's more that God wants for us. There's more people that God wants us to reach. 100 ain't gonna cut it. There's a lot of people in our city that aren't yet following Jesus. And God wants us to connect with them, invest in them, invite them, do that through us. I love that you're standing. God, there's a whole bunch of people in this auditorium right now who are praying by the virtue of the fact that they're standing, praying a dangerous prayer. Here I am, send me. And you don't say yes to every prayer that we pray. You sometimes say no and you sometimes say not yet. But my experience is you almost always say yes to this one. And so I pray for the people standing that you will give them greater clarity to their assignment, that you'll give them greater confidence and awareness that your power goes with them as they do what you've called them to do. I pray for an increase, like Jesus taught about, that as we use what you've entrusted to us and do what you've called us to do, that we'll experience an increase in the weeks and months to come. That we will be inundated increasingly with stories of you working through us in our families, in our workplaces, in our places of study, 
in our neighbourhoods, in distant lands, if, if, if that's where you call some of us to. That we're motivated by bringing you glory. That we're motivated by playing our part in seeing your kingdom expanded on this earth in our lifetime. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic, guys. Grab a seat. Uh, let me ask one more question. I owe the kids' team more wine. I have an agreement with our kids' team that for every five minutes I preach after 11 o'clock, which is when I'm meant to finish, that I buy them a glass of wine for every five minutes. So I'm two and a half glasses over time. I never pay up, but it's just like, it's just a thing we do. I find ways to find them back and so the ledger balance is out. It's good to be the boss. Um, <laughs> one more question. Some of you, and I go right back to starting my message only 23 minutes ago, um, I talked about three lanes and that lane one is actually a starting place where you may be here this morning not even sure if God's the real deal, not even if He exists, not even if Jesus is who He says He is. And yet in this time that you've been here, He's been shaking your tree a little. He's been maybe revealing a little bit of His truth to you. And if that's you and, and you're ready to, to follow Him, we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that right here, right now. We don't want you leaving without at least having this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I wanna follow you. Like that guy I talked about whose, whose, whose transformation story led him to, to be saying the answer is yes, but what's the question? That started with him saying first yes to Jesus. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, to following him right here, right now, I'm giving you that opportunity. And all I want you to do is just put your hand up and you're saying, yes, Jesus, that's me today. That's my dangerous prayer is I wanna, I wanna follow you from today. So right now, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, put your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down and we're good. 